Welcome to Social Genius, brought to you by Drunk on Social, where we help you stay ahead of social media trends, share the latest news, and highlight the strategies that are working to help you grow your business. Now let's join our hosts, Tristan and Jeff, in three, two, one. Social geniusers, that's what I'm going to call you. I don't know if that's a word or not, but... We have a different podcast episode where as if you're watching, and most of you probably aren't, you're just listening, but uh, to my left is not the the typical gentleman that you've come to expect. It is not Tristan. We have a guest today, which isn't as common on our Drunk on Social podcast, but uh, this gentleman reached out to us and he is talking about concepts I'm going to call them concepts, actual, uh, you know, new strategies, new actual things that are coming into our world that I believe we all need to be paying very close attention to. And selfishly, I want to learn about it myself as a creator, as a practitioner, because I want to be out ahead. And that's why all of you are here is to stay out of head. So welcome to the show. Alan Taylor, we're going to be going deep on Web3 today, but not just Web3. You've heard about that. More specifically, how Web3 and social media are going to play a role in our lives and the opportunities that exist. So, Alan, welcome to the show. And and let's start here. I'd like you to just introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? What, uh, What have you done in your career to lead you up to where you are today that made you write this book? So tell us about you. Great. Uh, great question. Uh, well, I've been an online marketer full-time since 2006. And before that, I was a journalist, a newspaper editor. Uh, won some awards doing that, enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, like every industry, it transforms with new technology. And so everything went online. I launched a freelance writing business. So I've been doing a lot of blog posts. I've written over 10,000 blog posts, a lot of white papers. I've ghostwritten some books for some clients done a lot of writing online. And like everyone else, I use social media to promote my business. Um, And so a couple of years, well, about four or five years ago, I had a client that uh, wanted me to edit a couple of publications. And one of them happened to be about this uh, new technology called blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, and that kind of thing. And I didn't know anything about it, but I agreed and learned a lot over the the next couple of years while editing that publication and discovered these new web three social media platforms. And uh, I just got intrigued by that and started researching them and looking at them and playing around on them and decided to write a book about it. Awesome. Awesome. And so as you talk about kind of your history here, first of all, you mentioned the word newspaper, which I I'll, uh, oftentimes joke about uh, anybody who still gets a newspaper, which it's almost like, uh, it's it's a um, you know I don't know how I would even describe it. It's it it it's almost like it just keeps people in the the yesteryear, if you will. You know, it's like they <laughs> yeah. it, they don't they don't do it so much for the news, other than just have the feel of the newspaper in their hands. And I don't know about you, Alan, but I think it's only a matter of time before they are completely extinct, uh, other than other than being a novelty. Um, but, but as, as you, as you progressed into your career, I mean, it sounds to me like you had some foresight, so you're, you're speaking our language here and, and now here you are with some serious foresight on web three, tell us a little bit more about the online marketing and that sort of thing that you have done, um, especially as it relates to social. 
Yeah. Uh, well, just like uh, everyone else, I have a Facebook account. I have a Twitter account and LinkedIn. Those are my three primary channels because I do a lot of business to business type writing. LinkedIn is a very big channel for me. So I spend a lot of time there. Twitter is uh, more of a playground for me. Um, it's, there's a huge crypto uh, community on Twitter, and I'm connected to that. Uh, my new account, I had an older account that I played around in for a long time, was more literary. Um, but then uh, I abandoned it a few years ago, and Twitter doesn't have a way for you to go uh, easily manage your followers. Uh, and so I started a new account and my new account doesn't reflect the time that I've spent. Uh, you know, if you look at my followers, it doesn't look like I've been on there for a decade, but I have. <laughs> um, and then my Facebook is more where I connect with family. And, and it's also sort of a literary place for me to promote my books and, and such as that. So I do play around uh, on social media, uh, but I'm not since I'm a writer, I don't do a lot of the video. Uh, you know, the Instagram and the TikTok and that kind of thing that a lot of the younger folks are into. Those are great platforms, uh, but not my gig. So I stick more to the text-based uh, platforms. Since you mentioned that, I have to ask before we get into the Web3, what is your take and have you dabbled at all with threads, which is basically a, or a Twitter lookalike? Yeah, no, I haven't done that. Uh, and the reason is because I really am moving more toward web three and i'm spending more and more of my time on the web three platforms uh, moving more away from the web two platforms i spend less time on facebook i'm still connected on linkedin because of my freelance writing client base and on twitter like i said it's just a playground for me uh, at this point but I suspect there may be a day when I just cut ties with these platforms altogether and just go full-blown Web3. I love it. So let's digress for a second and talk a little bit about the difference and what, what all this means, because I know a lot of consumers have heard the terms Web 1.0, which was you know roughly the, nine, the 1990s, maybe early 2000s. Then it went to 2.0, which is really still exists today. Mm -hmm. And then now we're talking about you know 3.0, which has really been around for a while, but it really hasn't been mainstream yet. So can you can you from a almost like a scientific standpoint, can you articulate in 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 commoner terms so that, that people like me can understand what, what is this? What is this web 1.2.3.0? What is all this? Yeah. Great question. So the early days of the web, you know, what we call web one uh, was very static. Uh, you could build a website. Uh, if you were a, uh, a web, an internet user in those early days, you could go to a website and you could read what was on the page. You couldn't do a whole lot else. You could click a link and go to another web page. And that was about it. It was read only, what we call read only. Then web two came along uh, around 1997, a website called Six Degrees launched. And it was it's typically called the first uh, social media platform. And suddenly uh, you could interact with the web page, and so you can leave a comment on uh, somebody's, uh, you know, 
profile on six degrees. And then we had um, other platforms pop up that allowed you to interact. You could watch videos. Uh, and so uh, Web 2 became this read-write type uh, of atmosphere, what we have now, where, uh, where publishers and readers or content consumers could both interact with each other on the same platform, on the same page, and sometimes in real time. Web3 goes a little step uh, further, uh, and we call it, you know, read, write, monetize, or, you know, read, write, publish. And it's a, it takes the Web2 concept to the next level. And what you have is more control over uh, your content if you're a publisher and if you're a, a, a consumer of content, a lot of times you can earn um, uh, an income or monetize content that you did not produce, that someone else produced uh, in the same manner or through royalties uh, and other, in some means, there is a value layer added to the internet as we know it. Okay, I don't... I don't know that everyone will fully understand what that means. So when you're talking about 2.0 and it's, you know, the central, you use the word centralized on 2.0 versus decentralized on 3.0. Can you break that down in a simpler form to understand what that means? Yeah. So uh, yeah, centralized, uh, centralized platforms uh, have the ability to sort of box you in where you are. So if you take Facebook, for example, it's like a walled guard. You go in, you sign up, uh, they have terms of service. If you violate their terms of service, they can shut you down, uh, demonetize you, deplatform you. You can spend years building up your following and, and then all of a sudden, uh, because you violated some policy you may not even known was a policy, all of a sudden you've lost your audience. You lost your account. Now you got to start over. Uh, many of these Web3 platforms don't have that ability. They're de, uh, what we call decentralized. And so what that means is there is no hierarchy or no organization that is in control of your account that can shut you down. Uh, so the Hive platform, for instance, is a social blogging platform. You go in, you set up an account, uh, you have some keys, what we call keys. They're uh, uh, it's like in a key to your car. Instead of an email address that you sign up with, you have these keys that they assign to you, but nobody has access to those but you. So if you lose them, <laughs> there's nobody you can call to say, hey, I need to set up my account again. So you got to protect your own, uh, you got to be somewhat vigilant about your own security. But the bright side is nobody can shut you down. It's a platform that anyone can use and uh, take advantage of, uh, but you can't be deplatformed. So what you're saying is uh, Zuckerberg and China, which is, which, you know, is, is ByteDance essentially, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Elon Musk. These individuals will not be owning these platforms. Right. 
Yeah, an interesting thing about Twitter, you know, we talk about Twitter, uh, depending on who you talk to, the Elon Musk Twitter is better than the Twitter that existed before, or it's worse, you know, because of uh, uh, basically political ideology. If you're an Elon Musk fan, you like Twitter the way it is now. If you're not, you liked it the way it was before. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is uh, both Elon Musk and the other, I guess you can call the Jack Dorsey era Twitter, he wasn't always there during that time, but both have the ability and have exercised um, that ability to deplatform people on Twitter. Yeah. 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 And that's a big that's a big thing nowadays. Uh, it's actually been happening probably more on TikTok. Uh, we, you know, we see a lot of hacking happening on Facebook and Instagram, but you know, actual accounts getting shut down more on TikTok. And usually they make it right and people come back. But uh, it, it is that is an interesting point that if you're not a creator, you probably don't experience this. But when you become a creator and you're somebody like me who has thousands of videos or thousands of pieces of content taking down my account would be massively detrimental to my business. Oh, absolutely. It could shut you down. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're relying on YouTube, for instance, uh, for your income and for many content creators, it's their primary source of income and that's yeah. how they make their living. And if they were shut down, um, then it, it could be detrimental to their life, their, their livelihood. Yeah. Big time. Okay. So, as we as we talk about this web three and 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 how it relates to social, so you've kind of talked about and, and explained the, you know, the, the what that means centralized versus decentralized, and 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 you know it's read it's it was read it was read and write now it's going to be read write and own which I think is you know I think people will find a lot of value there but then you mentioned the security piece now you're in charge of your own security. I have a feeling that's going to scare a lot of people. Yeah, I, it does. I think we're not we're not accustomed to being that vigilant about our own security. Uh, you know, if our bank, you know, you know, we expect our bank to be able to help us get back into our bank account if we forget how to access it. So, you know, they have a secret password you can call and and. But you don't have that with Web3. And so uh, you have to really protect uh, your assets. And the way I think about it is your, your credit card, for instance. You wouldn't just go and hand your credit card to somebody on the street and say, hey, watch this for me. <laughs> That's not something we typically do. You safeguard your credit card, even your credit card information, as willy-nilly as we are about, um, you know, doing the slide things and sticking it in uh, you know, the gas pump. We know they're not 100% secure, yet we don't just you know, publish our credit card information openly on the internet. Uh, so we want to feel the same way about our Web3 passcodes. Uh, we're not giving them out to people. We want to safeguard them. The difference is... There's no way to get them back if you lose them. You know, with your credit card company, uh, if somebody hacks it, uh, steals your identity, there are methods that you can 
they're painful methods, <laughs> but you can uh, work through the system and get that back. Uh, with Web3, that's not possible. So you really have to uh, step up the vigilance a little bit. And, and, and that's just the payoff for the extra level of freedom that you have. Yeah. It's a give and take, I suppose. Yeah. Does all this social media knowledge, strategies, and skills from this podcast really matter if you don't use video? The truth is any presence is better than no presence, but without video, you're really limiting your growth. It's no secret that video is the future of all media. It's where all consumers gravitate, so executing at a higher level than your industry peers is an absolute necessity to create differentiation. You can hire a full-time videographer, but is that really sustainable? The answer is no for many, which is why it is critical that you adopt and learn video skills to allow you to create video that will stand out. Having camera presence, knowing what equipment to use and how to use it, proper lighting, video editing, music and voiceovers, scripting, and many other topics are the reason why Business Video School was created. To teach you how to develop these skills quickly and easily with over-the-top support along the way so that you never feel lost. The Business Video School is a comprehensive video education platform that delivers all of this training, but also creates actual video recipes with instructions and scripts for you to execute relevant content weekly with all of the skills you learn. And it doesn't stop there. Regular video challenges, weekly Q&As, a real estate video roadmap, a community of people learning and experimenting with video, and so much more. Seriously, what are you waiting for? Why wouldn't you join the Business Video School today? Go to www.bizvideoschool.com forward slash open dash house and register for the next open house where you'll, you'll learn more and get a chance to hear from current students and even ask them questions. That's bizvideoschool.com. Check it out. Now, as, as I look through Web3, you know, there's some terms that have become commonplace and, you know, uh, NFTs, blockchain, the metaverse, tokenization. I think those are, those have become somewhat common terms ish. Um, a lot of people have a misconception about what blockchain actually is blockchain to most, they just think crypto, but blockchain is actually not that. I mean, it, it, it does have an association with crypto, but it's going to have an association with real estate too. It's going to be like the Carfax of real estate, right? So maybe can you help? Uh, I'd love to hear from you. What is your take on uh, explaining what blockchain is to the people who think that it's just a crypto thing? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, blockchain technology uh, is a powerful new technology. It does power cryptocurrencies, but it has many, many more uh, use cases beyond cryptocurrency. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's an extra layer of technology for the internet uh, that allows anyone uh, to, I guess, uh, create data in a different sort of way, in a more secure kind of way. And so if you look at Web2, it's mostly based on tables. And if you're familiar with you know, like spreadsheets and that kind of thing, you know that a, a table can be easily manipulated. Um, data can be easily, uh, you know, uh, erased or deleted. Uh, it can, you know, it can be changed once it's published. 
with blockchain technology, uh, those things are not possible. So if you, for instance, publish your financial financial data on a blockchain and a block and a chain, <laughs> call it blockchain <laughs> because it literally is a chain of blocks, and each mm -hmm. block is like a uh, a data set that's been published. And so once that's published, it can't be changed. And and that's why blockchain is so powerful is because you can do things like provenance with art. And so once you establish provenance for a particular set of valuable piece of art, you know that it's real. You know, you know that it's valuable. You know that it is what it purports to be. And that's not going to change because you have the, the certificate that proves it, and that certificate cannot be changed. It's immutable. Uh, so, so blockchain technology has a lot of these different features that our current internet do, does not have, and one of those is enhanced security, you know, along with that immutability. And so I don't think you have to know all about how it works to be able to use it. And so if you talk to people about the internet, a lot of people don't know how it works, but they're happy that when they log yeah. on, it works. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's what I tell real estate agents all the time. I'm like, blockchain is going to be, it's going to be within our business, probably within the next 12 months, if not sooner. And I said, it's just going to be, it's going to make transacting more seamless, yeah. uh, probably much more efficient. And you're just going to have to trust it. And before long, it's going to become commonplace. And I and I always encourage them. I'm like, you should just go Google it and go read about it. Like, and more, you're not going to you know, know it's there. You yeah, know, it's just like the internet. You know, you log onto a browser, you do, you go around, and you're looking at websites, uh, but you don't really know that at underneath all of that, what it is is just a set of numbers. Yeah. You know, your i your your website address is just a IP address, which is a set of numbers. Uh, and so you don't need to know all that to be able to use it, uh, but it works. And it's like a, like a digital filing cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That everybody has access to. Now you don't have to drive to the courthouse to access, you know, the, the, the deed. Yeah. And, like and when you have, when you have all your mortgage deeds and marriage certificates and, you know, auto registrations and all that, uh, openly accessible on the blockchain, uh, it'll be so much easier to prove that you own that vehicle, that you own your home, uh, you know, that you have these assets uh, and then you'll be able to sell them online. And it, just uh, in 20 years, the internet's going to be so different than what we experience it today. And it's just going to be commonplace. Nobody's going to question. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when the, when the car phone came out and we're like, why did, why do we need that? Like, that's just seems a little overkill. Why don't you just wait till you get home? And now, and now it's, I always tell people, if I leave the house, I'd rather leave the house naked than without my cell phone, because I'd feel more uncomfortable without my cell phone than I would naked. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah, how crazy true. things have changed. You know? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I've read that uh, even, even so, like social security numbers are going to go away and we're all going to be NFTs at some point. Is that, have you heard the same? Is that true? Yeah, you know, there's a lot to to be said about that. You know, they are talking about tokenizing everything, and there is that possibility that you know maybe someday um, social security numbers will be replaced. I think it's a little farther down the road, uh, but I do see a day when uh, just about everything you do will have some kind of 
tokenization involved. And so you go to a concert, your tickets will be basically tokens. Um, you know, you walk up and you scan your cell phone to get into the gate instead of handing them a physical ticket. Yeah. Uh, and that's then already, that's already happening in most. It's already. Yeah. It's already happening. But that the cool thing about that is that tokenized ticket is not just a concert ticket. It's also a digital asset. And just think 20 years uh, from now, your favorite band plays their last concert and you have the concert ticket on your phone. It's a digital tokenized asset. And then 20 years later, uh, that could be worth something hmm. more than just a ticket, right? I don't think anybody actually even keeps their digital tickets because we don't, you know, we're just, we haven't been wired to think that way. Like, you know, I, if I went to a, a World Series game in 2000, in fact, I did this, uh, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. They were here in St. Louis and I kept my tickets, I actually sold them. Um, yeah. But I thought to keep that, you know what I mean? But but now I, I use digital tickets all the time. I'm a season ticket holder and I don't ever even think about how I can even access old tickets. I, you know, I don't even think about it. Yeah. And, and right now you wouldn't you wouldn't even think that they would hold any value after the after the event, uh, which they may not in an intrinsic sense. But if they were tokenized assets then they would have value just in in that sense and they're trackable you know because they're on a blockchain they've been tokenized you can see what the trail of ownership is and so mm -hmm. if you're the only person that's ever owned that ticket and you have a ticket to a historic event <laughs> that only took place one time it's never going to happen again that could become a valuable asset mm, it's interesting this is all very interesting. All right, let's let's uh, let me pump the brakes and and let's pull back. And you know, obviously, you know, and if you're if you're watching this, you see that uh, first of all, Alan is floating in space. That's cool. Um, that's probably also <laughs> going to become common. Uh, but also, he's floating next to a book, and it's called Web Three Social. And so, uh, it, you've kind of you know, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but I guess maybe we can we can go a little bit deeper to understand. All right, what is this going to look like? You know, is Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok are they just going to vanish, and and this Web three world is going to take over? Or what what do you what do you envision there? Um, I'm probably uh, a little different than most of my Web three peers. I don't think Facebook is going to disappear, or Twitter or TikTok. I think what's going to happen is. More than likely, these platforms are going to adopt Web3 technology at some point. They're you mean already let go, of, let go of control? Well, I don't know if they will do that completely, but I think that they will adopt the technology for their own purposes. And then consumers will have uh, the ability to decide, okay, do I go with the, uh, the Facebook platform where there is still that possibility of uh, being deplatformed? but I still have access to billions of users on their platform yeah. and use whatever web three derivative technology they decide to implement. Or do I go to this smaller, more niche platform where I can find my particular audience and have more ownership and more control over that audience and my content 
and my account, even though it's smaller. And I think a lot of people are going to be very happy with that small. I know that I will. If I'm reaching my audience on a platform that is small and I can monetize that audience without fear of uh, demonetization or deplatforming, then I'm going to be there. Mm, interesting. Interesting. And, you know, the first thing I was thinking, too, though, is that these platforms are going to have to adjust and probably be less strict about uh, some of their current rules, because guess what's going to happen? The second that you demonetize or shut down someone's account, they're going to be like, they're going to they're going to give you the middle finger and be like, fine, I'm going over to Web3. I'm gone. Now you yeah. just lost me. When that option becomes more ubiquitous and you know, it's a real viable option for the everyday creator and the creator economy is growing. Uh, you know, so when there when there are enough creators who can make that threat and make it stick, then I think the platforms will change their policies. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating, interesting. Okay, so as as we talk about that, and and it's it's good to get your opinion because we all understand that it is just in fact an opinion. Uh, when you talk about niche, that's a very taboo, common topic that us social media quote unquote experts talk about, and we're talking about it regularly. Uh, because, you know, the world is shifting, you know, Gen Z is, you know, as as you probably know, Alan, uh, the best marketers in the world are studying Gen Z, not, not the people yeah. with money, which goes against what we think is entrepreneurs and business operators, right? But I've learned the best marketers are studying the next generation because the next generation is driving where things are going. Yeah. And, and so as you think about, and, and so that those younger generations now are shifting the way we think it's no oh, longer yeah. about virality and, and popularity. It's about, I want to niche down and I want to be unique. And, and, you know, they're, they're poo-pooing on Victoria's secret and things like that. These, these, these visions that have been put in our head that is perfection or that that's the way we're supposed to look, which is great, by the way, yeah. it's, oh, it's yeah. phenomenal for society in general, but as you're talking about niching down and, and most of our audience is still very much in the real estate field. Uh, so let's, I'm going to, I'm going to go down that path because when we talk about niche, we talk about niching down primarily to community. You know, uh, we yeah. talk about niching down to, to high, you know, interests as well, because I do believe that's very incredibly important. But when you're talking about niching down to community, are, are, are consumers going to have the ability to build their own niche platforms or are they going to be building a platform within a platform, almost like a Facebook group? Yeah. Uh, I see a day when creators will be able to establish their own niche platforms using protocols that will be easily accessible. Uh, so what do I mean by that? I went up onto a website just uh, a couple of weeks ago and created my own token, the Taylor token. Um, and I got a million of them in, sitting in my digital wallet. And I passed some of them out to some people, you know, uh, who have collected my posts uh, as NFTs on my newsletter platform, Paragraph. Uh, it's not my platform. It is an actual platform that it's Substack alternative. Uh, but I have a newsletter there and I, I write things and people collect them as NFTs. And when they do, I send them, uh, I send them some Taylor tokens. All right. So what can they do with those? Well, I'm, I'm still working out 
what that actually looks like long term. But those tokens could be a catalyst for my own community on Discord or somewhere else. And and a community or an author's community or a creator's community doesn't necessarily have to be in any one location. So you can build it across platforms and you can build your community uh, in such a way that you are not tied to any one particular platform. Hmm. And you can do that using blockchain technology. Wow. That's fascinating. Uh, so let's continue on this conversation. So that's that's future talk, uh, more near term talk. And, and you know, you mentioned you know you will probably lean Web three because of the niche perspective. So as it relates to, and I know this, you know, you maybe don't put this hat on on a regular basis. So maybe I'm challenging you here. But it, as as a as a real estate professional, I'm going to use myself as an example. So I have built a very large TikTok audience around a niche community. It's the Lake of the Ozarks. And it was just kind of by, hap- you know, just by chance. Um, but now I'm really running down that rabbit hole and it's proving to be very successful. I'm, you know, thousands and ten thousands of views, hundreds of thousands and, and, and engagement and opportunities and just crazy fun stuff is happening. Um, and and I'm and I'm living in that world to provide that proof of concept to a real estate agent, really any business owner, to say, you become the aggregator of all things around a community. People will flock to it because oh, they love they love their community. So when you're if if I come to you, Alan, and say, man, you're the expert on this stuff. You see what I'm doing in the Web two world. How should I start thinking ahead for Web3 with what I'm doing around being the authority on a community? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question. So what you want to do is you want to build uh, your systems around the you know the needs of your niche, your community. And and Web3, what they're what Web3 marketers are talking about is sort of a step up from what you're currently doing. In web two, uh, you go to a platform and you build a community. Uh, So whatever your niche is, whatever your topic is. So you go to Facebook groups and you start a group. You're building that community, but you're using a platform. In web three, you build the platform around the community. And so you already have a community um, right there on TikTok. What you need to be thinking about is, well, what if there was no TikTok? Or mm-hmm. what if what if all of a sudden I lose my TikTok audience? Mm-hmm. If you're on Web2, you're already thinking about uh, moving people off of TikTok into your own personal funnel. So you probably have a newsletter. You probably have a an email list, a website where you drive people to, to sign up for your list. Well, in Web3, you can still do that, but you don't necessarily have to do it through email. Uh, you can do it through digital wallets. And the benefit of that to your community is, well, they don't have to give up their email address. I don't, you know, I get tons of email from people that maybe I signed up for something five, six, 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was now, but I'm get, still getting emails, right? Unless I opt out and unsubscribe. But you don't have to go through that process anymore with Web3. You can just do a, uh, a digital wallet 
And once you get uh, tired of that community or you want to move on, you just disconnect your wallet hmm. from that community. Uh, and what so, about, could you sell it? You could. Yeah, you could. And so in some cases, if your if your community offer is based on a tokenized asset or an NFT, um, you could, in some cases, sell that NFT. In some cases, you can't. It depends on the community. Sometimes they don't want you to sell it, so they'll make it a what they call a soul-bound uh, token, and then it's just bound to you. Uh, you can have it, but no, nobody else can. But if it's not soul bound, then yeah, you can sell it to someone, and now they're a member of that community. Mm. Wow, interesting. And, this yeah. is all fascinating stuff. So I, I don't want to assume because obviously I'm narrating this conversation, and 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 we're running short on time. What have I not asked you that you feel is something that would be very important for our audience to understand or know? Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question. So, um, okay, we've talked about security. We've talked about, uh, you know, ownership and so on. So let's let's just talk about monetization just a little bit. Uh, there are platforms where you can monetize and monetization takes place in, in different ways. Okay. And so on Hive, um, which is a social blogging platform, and they have several different interfaces that you can go to. Some are video-based and some are text-based. But the gist is you create content, people upvote your content, and then you earn rewards based on how many people have upvoted your content, what their influence is on the platform, uh, and several other factors. And so you could earn any, you know, anywhere uh, on one post, anywhere from a few cents to, you know, $100 or more. You know, people have earned several hundred dollars on one single post. And so you earn, it's a rewards-based system. There are other systems where uh, the monetization takes place through tipping. And that tipping can be wallet to wallet. So for instance, you create content. I like what you're doing. I say, I'm going to throw a few Satoshis uh, at Jeff. Those are the smallest uh, units in Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency. And I say, I'm, I'm just going to tip him. And so I send you some, uh, or it could be in another cryptocurrency, maybe Matic or Ethereum or whatever. The other way tips can occur is just like on Hive, I click a button and that generates a tip. And you get a portion of that. Maybe I get a portion of that. Uh, and and I can even determine on publish, for instance, I can determine how much of it you get as the creator and how much of it I get as the reader. And the default is 80-20 uh, toward your favor, but I can change that if I want. Uh, then there are uh, what we call collectibles, digital asset collectibles or tokens. And um, you can create a piece of content and I can collect that as a piece of uh, content, hold it in my wallet for as long as I want. And someday if I decide, okay, Jeff Fitzer, man, this guy, he's really built his business. He's a rock star. He's worth a lot of money now. A lot of people like him. I wonder if I can sell this, uh, put it out there. Uh, I sell it and I can earn on that token, but also you as the creator can get a royalty on that sale. And so that's another way that you can earn uh, by selling tokens 
and collecting royalties when they resell. So there are different monetization options in the Web3 space, and all of them, I think, have their use cases. Very interesting. Um, it sounds a lot different than the influencer world we live in now. It's very, very different. Uh, the Web2 world is based on attention. The whole idea is um, let me put myself out there, see how many people I can get to pay attention to what I'm doing, get them to follow me, get them to click that like button. I got to grow my subscriber list, grow my YouTube channel. I have to grow. And the more I grow it, the more I can make. It's sort of a mirror of what we do, what's what the advertising model has been like uh, throughout the 20th century. Uh, the more people watching TV, the more the channel can charge for their sponsorship spots, right? That's uh, sort of how the way uh, Web2 works now. Uh, with Web3, you have a little bit more control as the creator on how you want to monetize your content. Uh, you're not driven by, oh, I've got to have a million eyeballs if I want to make a living. Hmm. I think that's going to make a lot of people feel, take a deep, like a, a, a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, sweet. I don't have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and if you've ever lost an account or if you, you know, I got locked out of a Facebook account. Uh, and it was my own fault. It was just stupid. Uh, I went in one day and elected to do, uh, to do uh, two-factor authentication. But then I didn't set up my authenticator right away. Uh, put it off and then forgot. And then uh, one day I couldn't get into my account and it got hacked. And Facebook deleted the account. I had more than uh, several thousand followers. Uh, <laughs> And it really ticked me off, but I learned something valuable about that uh, that's relevant to Web3 is I don't have to worry about that. If I, you know, if I lose my account, uh, it's because, you know, well, just like in Web, you know, Facebook, it's because I made a mistake. But in Web2, you don't even have to make a mistake and you can lose an account or, you know, somebody just doesn't like what you're saying <laughs> and you can lose uh, access to your audience. So with Web3, that's, uh, that's going to be very different. I love that. Um, uh, two, two more questions. Uh, if this is just because I'm curious. You clearly know a lot about crypto. Have you made a lot of money in crypto? Did you make a lot of money in crypto before it crashed? I am not. Uh, uh, I got into crypto around 2018. So it was right at the last bull run. Um, I will say uh, I'm not a, a crypto millionaire and I'm not a day trader. Uh, so once I discovered crypto, I got in, I bought some Bitcoin, I've got some Ethereum, I got a, I got a few other things that I like. Uh, I'm still waiting for the next bull run. I think it's going to happen. And uh, I, I did see my XRP go up in value recently with the, uh, the Ripple uh, case judgment. Uh, being made public. Ripple won their lawsuit. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Ripple won their lawsuit with the SEC uh, and that caused a huge spike. Uh, I owned some Ripple, so I've benefited from that. And uh, But yeah, I've, I think I'm on the upside in terms of gains, uh, but I'm certainly not uh, uh, a millionaire. Why, <laughs> do you, billionaire why, even. why do you think it's going to rebound? 
Well, uh, just uh, looking at the cycles, um, uh, the uh, bull bear cycles, about every four years, historically, we've seen a market uh, bull run in the crypto space. And I don't see any reason for that to change, even though right now there's a there's a huge amount of scrutiny from the regulatory side on crypto. I think in the long run, that's going to wash. Uh, we're going to get some legislation that is meaningful. There's going to be regulation. The question is whether or not it's going to be meaningful regulation. And I think in the long run, uh, crypto is going to wash out real well. Fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. What would be your uh, best parting thought for our audience? And the second part to that question is how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, great question. So uh, I would say you don't necessarily have to jump into Web3 today, uh, but I would keep an eye on what's developing, what's happening, get familiar with uh, what's going on in Web3 and keep an eye on it. Uh, so that you can know when the right time is. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're familiar with the, you know, the, the phases of uh, technological adoption, then you know uh, that at some point the crowds are going to show up. And right now we're in the early adoption stage. I think we're pretty getting pretty close to the early majority stage. Uh, but when the late majority shows up, that's going to be, that's going to be too late. So you want to get in fairly early, uh, but you don't necessarily have to get in now. So I would keep an eye on what's going on. So how can you reach me? Uh, you can reach me at authorallentaylor.com. Uh, that's my website. I'm on Twitter as Alan Taylor. And uh, my professional website is taylor, tailoredcontent.com. So you can reach me uh, at either one of those websites. And paragraph.xyz forward slash at tailored content is my email or my newsletter. So if you want to uh, um, see what I'm writing about on Web3, then you can subscribe there. How can we uh, how can we get our hands on your book? The book is at Amazon and you can also find it at any uh, any place books are sold. So. It's distributed through Ingram Spark, which means books and libraries all have access to it. Um, but uh, it's also on uh, Amazon, Web3 Social, how creators are changing the World Wide Web, and you can too. I love it. Alan, it has been a pleasure. I, uh, I'd like definitely like to stay in touch, man. You're talking about something different than, uh, than most. And so my question or my, my request to you uh, from a from our drunk on social perspective, because I think our audience will will find this pretty fascinating, is uh, as as you see new topics and and things that we should be discussing or that you want to share with our audience, uh, just reach back out to us, man. I'd love to have you back on as often as you feel it's necessary, and cool. I'd love to keep talking because uh, you know, and selfishly for me and Tristan. If nobody else wants to listen, we do, and we want to be out ahead. And so uh, it's 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 important for us to align with people like you. Great. Thanks a lot. I've enjoyed this. Thanks for having me on. Likewise. Thank you, brother.
Thanks for listening to Social Genius, brought to you by Drunk on Social. We are here to help you take your business to new levels through social media. Make sure to subscribe to get updates on new episodes and come join us on our Drunk on Social Facebook page. And as always, make sure you leave us a great review on your favorite podcast app. Feedback and likes are very much appreciated. 